This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Tuesday, February 23rd. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Here's what we're covering today. How the census and Supreme Court are changing redistricting. Plus, the pandemic is causing even more of a push for better broadband. But first, today's one big thing. How memes drive misinformation. For years, there's been growing concern about deep fakes, doctored images and photos, and that these deep fakes are what would erode trust in the truth and further spread of misinformation. But now, when we think about the anti-vaccine movement, the Capitol insurrection, even the recent GameStop investors uprising against Wall Street, it's becoming clear that memes are what we really should be worried about. Sarah Fisher is Axios' media reporter. Sarah, I think this is probably most obvious these days when it comes to the COVID vaccine. How are we seeing memes erode trust in vaccines? Well, there's tons of research that shows that when somebody is exposed to misinformation about the vaccine, they are less likely to want to go take it. So that's a huge public health issue. But aside from that, we're seeing a lot of memes be used to confuse people about what the vaccine really is. So, for example, there was a tweet in late December that Zignal Labs, which is a disinformation research firm, sent to us. And it showed what a map of the vaccine looks like, the components, the scientific components within it. And it put it next to what it claimed was a 5G chip diagram, trying to draw a comparison between the vaccine's makeup and a 5G chip in real life. That actually wasn't a 5G chip diagram at all. It was actually the components of a guitar pedal. So it was completely doctored. But this is an example how one meme launched an entire conspiracy online just because it was so well done and it was so confusing. What's the hardest part of detecting misinformation when it comes from a meme? What's really challenging, Nyla, is if somebody were to post that in a text-based phrase, we now have machine learning that can understand anti-vax misinformation and probably flag it. And we also, by the way, have technology that can identify misleading photos. What we do not have machines capable of doing right now is understanding the context of what these different things mean when they are combined. And let me give you a good example. If someone were to post the word poison, just the word, I don't think that would ring many alarm bells. If someone were to just post a picture of a vaccine needle, I don't know that that would ring too many alarm bells either. But the context of the message changes, Nyla, when you put the word poison over an image. And that's why we are stuck when we're trying to figure out how do we police and moderate memes at scale. Wow, that's a lot. That's very scary, actually. When we think about misinformation, I think everyone thought it's going to be doctored videos and deep fakes. That's what's going to get us. I've spoken to disinformation researchers, and they'll tell you, manipulated media, doctored photos, deep fakes, that's a teeny part of what's spreading misinformation today. 
the bulk of the misinformation and disinformation on our platforms comes from things like memes that don't manipulate the media itself, but they just manipulate the context. That's about 90%, according to some researchers, of the misinformation that floats on the internet today. Sarah Fisher is Axios's media reporter. We'll be back in 15 seconds with three things you need to know about how your district could be redrawn. Welcome back to Axios Today. If you don't usually pay attention to how your state draws its legislative districts, this may be a good year to start. That's because redistricting this year is expected to be even more chaotic than ever before, and the results will affect our elections for the next decade. Here's why this matters. How states draw their districts change everything from precincts to congressional districts, which means everything from zoning to policing to health care is affected by this. Axios's political reporter Steph Kite has been tracking this messy process and is here with three things you need to know. Steph, I wonder if we could start with what you're watching for as states are redrawing their map. And the first thing is census delays. Yeah, number one is census delays. The Census Bureau is so far behind all of the deadlines for getting states the data that they need to even begin starting drawing their congressional maps. So we're not looking at getting that data until the end of September, and usually states get that data in the springtime. Number two is the Supreme Court is a really important part of this. So Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act is no longer in use because of the 2013 Supreme Court case. And what Section 5 used to do was to force areas of the country that had a history of racial discrimination to get pre-clearance for their maps through the Justice Department. That's no longer the case. So a lot of different counties and states will this year for the first time in decades not have to go through that pre-clearance requirement, which means that if there is gerrymandering, people won't get that early signal like they had in the past. And that brings us to our final takeaway, which has to do with communities of color, which makes sense given what you just said. The final point is really the big picture here, and that's that the U.S. is rapidly changing demographically. We're expecting to become majority-minority country in 2045, according to the census projections. A lot of the states who will gain congressional seats this year are growing largely due to people of color. It's due to Latinos and Asians who are moving into certain areas and growing Black American populations. And so what a lot of advocates are watching are to see how these lines are drawn this year and whether it's in a way that's going to actually give a political voice to those growing minority demographics. Steph Kite covers politics for Axios. The pandemic has made it clear that high-speed internet is not a luxury. It's a necessity that nearly four and a half million Americans don't have. And now, as Axios Kim Hart has been reporting, lawmakers from both parties are hearing from their constituents that this digital divide has to be fixed and soon. Hey, Kim, so what are we seeing, first of all, on the federal level? So in December, in the COVID-19 relief package, Congress set aside $7 billion in funding for broadband, and that includes $3.2 billion for an emergency broadband benefit program that 
could provide up to $50 a month off of internet bills for people who can't afford to pay for it right now. Kim, this has been a problem for a long time, and there aren't easy solutions. What do you think is different about this moment? What's different now is that it's finally in the front of people's minds. The fact that there's so much momentum and agreement from both sides of the aisle to make this a priority seems to say that these efforts will be fast-tracked in a way that they haven't been in past years. Kim Hart covers tech policy for Axios from Washington, D.C. Before we go, Axios space reporter Miriam Kramer sent me a SoundCloud link yesterday. It was something I thought I'd never hear, the sound of Mars. Did you hear that? That's the first audio recording from the surface of the red planet, courtesy of the NASA rover Perseverance. Yes, that is a Martian breeze. I'll play it for you again. What's next? More microphones are expected to be turned on as the rover gets to work. And that's it for us today. You can reach our team at podcasts at axios.com or find me on Twitter. My handle is Nyla Boudou. And if you want more news before tomorrow, tune into our afternoon podcast, Axios Recap. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.